What's up everybody? My name is Christopher and this is the Oosthuizen Show. My dad is unfortunately traveling today so I'm joined by a very special guest. We're discussing mental health, investing, and the future with an investor, podcaster, and business advisor, Juan Acosta. He's going to join in here in just a moment and we are live on Facebook so I'm very excited about this one. So uh, while Juan joins in, I'm going to say First, if you live in Arizona, I've got a few plugs for you guys. Have a dog, and if you're not training with Partners Dog Training, then you are missing out. We've worked with over 35,000 dogs in the past 20 years. Amazing group classes going on. And one of my favorite programs is opening back up for the season, Rattlesnake Avoidance Training. So Juan is going to be joining here in just a moment. How's it going, Juan? Can you hear me there? All right. Hey, hey yeah, I can hear you. Perfect. All right. Hey, how's it going? Okay, sweet, sweet, sweet. Okay, I'm gonna continue on for a few seconds with just a few plugs and then uh, we're gonna jump right into it. So, rattlesnake avoidance training, that's where we teach your dog in a negative association and subsequent avoidance to the scent and sound of a rattlesnake. We've been doing this for over 17 years. We've trained over 17,000 dogs, Juan, which is incredible. Uh, and very excited about this program. If you wanna keep your dog safe in the, se in, safe in the desert, uh, the first couple sessions are actually already booked out and sold out, uh, but I believe the next one that we have open is February 25th, but they do go quick, so I'll drop a link in the description for everyone to uh, jump in and sign up. Last thing, if you don't live in Arizona but still want to access our expertise as a dog training school, we've created an online personal dog trainer named Hey Ludwig. Hey Ludwig is actually on Facebook Messenger, so you can go there right after the show. Um, it uses your dog's behavioral traits to create personalized curriculums to solve problems, teach tricks, train obedience, the whole shebang. Uh, so I'll drop a link to that as well here in the show notes, and you guys can check it out um, as you're done. So as we get into the show, if you're watching, comment, say hi. We'd love to see who's tuned in, and it's really hard to see otherwise. So jump in, say hi, and uh, ask a question as we're moving along, and, and drop it below as we get into it. So like I said, I'm joined by my guest, Juan Acosta. He is the director and a mentor at Draper University, which is based in San Francisco. He's also an investor at Draper U Ventures and does a daily podcast named Startup News. So we'll put a link to the bio for all that, which is great. You guys, if you listen to that podcast, you get the inside scoop, the boots on the ground, uh, the major headlines, everything that's coming out in the tech world. You got to listen to it if you're interested. And uh, yeah, so Juan, I know you're doing some incredible things. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself here in a second, but I do want to start with your childhood and telling us a little bit about your journey growing up and kind of how you got to the point where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, well, thanks everyone. You can hear me fine, I guess, Chris. Um, really happy to be on this show. It's actually probably one of the first uh, podcasts or uh, live videos that I actually joined. So I'm really excited about this. Um, so my name is Juan. Chris introduced me a little bit. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but yeah, my childhood, I was born in Venezuela uh, in a pretty rural area. Uh, actually, where close where I was born, uh, I would often watch uh, cows being slaughtered next to the apartment building. I used to live with my grandma. Oh, great. <laughs> um, so it was a pretty rural area. But then I, you know, uh, we moved... Um, we moved to Caracas, which is the capital of Venezuela. And then I lived there till I was about nine years old. Uh, and then there was this awesome dream that my dad had, which was coming to the United States and giving us a better life. Uh, Venezuela wasn't good back then. Uh, we were pretty poor, I would say. Uh, better than people was not 
a good standard of living. And my dad did everything possible to bring us to the United States. So uh, he packed our bags with my mom, my, my little sister. She was one year, one year old at the time. Uh, and myself, I was about eight or nine. And we moved uh, to Miami. He got hired by a, a company here in the U.S. So he made those dreams come true. So that's kind of um, a little bit about my childhood. Uh, and then I lived in the United States uh, ever since. And I've been here in Silicon Valley for the past three years. Uh, so I've always been on the East Coast. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because we actually have fairly similar similar stories in some ways. Now, I was obviously born here in America, but uh, my family also immigrated here from South Africa. My dad, obviously, he's not tuned in today, but uh, yeah, he immigrated here from South Africa with my whole side of my family about 25 years ago. And, uh, you know, definitely similar backgrounds. I imagine our fathers are actually pretty similar as well, uh, both being in the, in the business world and us working pretty closely together with them, um, you know. So... <clears throat> Becoming, you know, being an entrepreneur, and and this is going to be a little about entrepreneurship. I know it's not aligned with the branding of being a dog training school, but I think it's still important for people to kind of understand because even though, you know, we are presenting to you guys as, you know, coming from the dog world, it's still very important to understand, you know, what makes up partners as a business and, and the people around it. And I think an important part of that of both my dad and, and my life is entrepreneurship. And, and Juan didn't really mention it here, but um, I, you know, we, I went to Draper University. He was one of my mentors there and that's actually how we got to, to meet each other. Um, and I think you know, to be an entrepreneur, you really have to have that different version of wiring. You have to be really irrational, highly emotional, intense. And I think that really puts our personalities at risk for you know, mental health issues. And that's a, a really big thing, I think, in the uh, society that we live in today is, is the topic of mental health. And I think it's important that people are starting to discuss it more often. Um, and I know that, you know, again, coming from the immigrant family, you guys have dealt with all the ups and downs. My family, when, we, when the market crashed, like many hundreds of millions of people around the world felt a lot of heartache during that time. And it was definitely a really rough time. Um, I was very fortunate enough to, to not be as aware of what was going on in the moment, but I uh, definitely understand of, of where it's cam coming from. So I was wondering, you know, what is your, I guess, take on, on the environment of entrepreneurship, you know, especially in Silicon Valley, everyone's going out, they're raising millions of dollars, they're starting a company, those companies have incredibly high expectations with a very, very high chance of failure. And as someone that's both been on the entrepreneurship side, the mentor side, and now the investing side, what is uh, your take to kind of guard against people or guard or help people guard against that idea of that pressure and mental health? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a, such a huge problem, actually. And I think a lot of the so problem, there, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, a lot of, a, a lot of the problem, uh, I think comes. Hope yep, perfect. We're still there, right? <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so I think it's a huge problem. And uh, a big part of that issue is the fact that a lot of people don't talk about it, right? Uh, when you're starting your own business uh, or going through the entire entrepreneurship journey, um, you know, a lot of the times you want to keep these things to yourself because, you know, you might think that uh, showing the world some sort of weakness as, you know, some may see it or what you think some may see it as weakness, um, you know, is bad or it's going to reflect on the startup that you're building 
or you won't, you know, gather enough investors that will believe in you because, you know, if you're not okay with yourself and, and, you know, your stability, uh, why would they trust on, you know, investing in your business? And I think it's the complete opposite. I think there needs to be, this needs to be spoken about more, especially both from the entrepreneur side and the investor side. Uh, from the entrepreneur side, I think, you know, it's one of the hardest things that someone can do, especially when they're trying to achieve big visions. You know, picture Elon Musk uh, starting all these revolutionary companies. And he talks about this a little bit. Um, so from that side, I think entrepreneurs need to be more, you know, vulnerable and, and, you know, speak out more because there are people out there that could help them, right? Especially here in Silicon Valley, from what I've seen, is people are really willing to help other entrepreneurs say something of what you're going through. Uh, people actually are, are out there willing to help you. So I've found that, um, you know, in found that to be a, I guess, a similarity between a lot of entrepreneurs that we train. Uh, and then on the investor side, I think from an investment perspective, it's completely in line with the investor to know what exactly the entrepreneur is going through. Um, you know, what difficulties, what, uh, what challenges they have in order to help them and make the business bigger and make a lot more money. Right. Um, so I think it needs to be spoken yeah. about from both sides. And it's something that's really not, um, you know, people are not open about it. Um, and I think one of the things I will start tackling, you know, here at Draper University with the entrepreneurs that we train is, is speaking more about this. And, uh, and we do a lot of those things uh, already. You know, we, we do a lot of emotional uh, training. So emotional intelligence, which is a huge aspect of uh, success or it's been proven or there's some correlations that uh, say that, you know, the more emotionally intelligent you are, the more probability of success there is because you can navigate through, you know, different yeah. challenges. Uh, and then we also do a lot of uh, different training. You may have remembered, Chris, um, we, you know, we bring one of Tony Robbins' lead trainers here uh, who teaches you how to deal with challenges, how to get rid of mental roadblocks uh, and continue pushing forward. So, you know, we are speaking about it, but I think it just needs to be an, a standard in the entrepreneurship um, I guess, education or in that journey. And, and I don't think it gets, um, you know, people don't get trained on this. Like when you go from having an idea to building a company, right? Or let, let's picture the normal path of someone's career, right? They go to school, they get trained, they potentially get a job. Uh, you know, people continue on in their careers, growing in their job. Some people, you know, want to create something new of their own. Uh, but when you're training for a job, a lot of the, the skills in your job get trained, right? Or a lot of big corporations bring in people that help you or the HR department, for example, is there to help you. Um, you know, you see all these big Silicon Valley companies and all over the world investing more into the stability and, and the mental health of their entire staff. But when you go uh, in the entrepreneurship route of starting something on your own, first of all, there's really not that much, much stuff out there teaching you how to start a business. And a lot of uh, theory, but, you know, the practice aspect of it, there's Man. really not that many uh, things out there. Um, and then, you know, you, you don't even learn how to do your taxes in school, right? 
Uh, so I'm sure that there's a lot of challenges when you start your own company and no one teaches you how to navigate uh, through these challenges, um, you know, how to face tons of rejection, especially if you're raising money, how to lead a group of people uh, that, you know, from different backgrounds with different needs. Um, you know, these are people that have families and have other issues going on. How do you take that upon yourself? How do you not let it impact your business if something's going on in their relationships or in their family? And nobody teaches an entrepreneur yeah. how to do that. Um, so I think we need to start speaking about it uh, more. Yeah, definitely. I think the education side of it is, is super important. I know you're very passionate about education. I know I'm very passionate about education. I think that the way that education is going, memorizing facts and, and really information that's going to be in just a few years, even more at our fingertips than it is already now, um, you know, being able to just recite that information is going to be such a useless skill, I think, and a lot sooner than a lot of people realize. Um, but having that emotional intelligence, having that ability to, you know, relate to people, to be able to understand when, when someone's having maybe a bad day and be able to empathize with them, um, and even just self-awareness for yourself, um, being able to say, okay, if I'm in this certain type of situation, I don't usually respond. So either I must avoid that type of situation or I must go the complete opposite way and force myself to that position, but also making sure that I'm not going, you know, past what I'm able to handle. Um, and, and there's so many different, you know, things that, that could apply to even with dogs, for example, you know, a lot of people come to us and they're very you know, embarrassed about what their dog mm -hmm. is doing or what, you know, what's happening in their, in their home environment that might be actually relating to the dog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, half the time it, t it seems like we're marriage counselors and dog trainers at the same time. Um, and I wish that that was, you know, less true, but it's, it's the reality of, of life is that so many different aspects of our mental health plays into so many different aspects of our success in life. Um, so I'm really glad that, uh, that we had a, a chance to discuss that just, just briefly. Um, so I know, like I said, you have, uh, your, your parents and you came from Venezuela. Um, I was personally born here, like I said, but I'm curious to hear about your relationship and dynamic with your dad, because I know you guys have, have worked together quite a bit over the years. Obviously, my dad and I work together very closely and, and we seem to be getting even more uh, or closer every single day. We've traveled together for years and, and so forth. So um, I'm curious to hear about your dynamic and, and especially him being an immigrant father. Um, I know I read it a little bit about uh, he's more of the optimistic side. Your mom's more of like the get ish done type of side. So I'm, I'm curious to hear about that family. dynamic. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I'm extremely lucky. Uh, to have been born in the family that I was born in. Uh, my parents have put me always first and my sister first. Um, we've been their number one priority, no matter what, right? Like back in Venezuela, when things were uh, very, very difficult, um, you know, I remember them trying to do their best to just give us the world, right? And, you know, I think I wrote on the, on the Medium post that you were referring to, you know, one of uh, our birthdays, for example, or my birthday or my birthdays back when I was a kid, you know, the, the thing that was the biggest was like, Hey, McDonald's. Right. And, and, and now we just, you know, everybody here affords McDonald's. Right. Uh, but over there, it wasn't affordable. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they would save for months just so that they can give me the best birthday experience ever. Sometimes not eat themselves. So those are some of the memories. But when we came to the United States, which is why I love the U S uh, you know, this is truly a land of opportunity. Uh, everything completely changed. 
my dad was hired by a company and he was able to, you know, overnight give us a completely different life. Um, so he's always been an optimist. Nothing is impossible for him. The biggest ideas, uh, and I'll give you an example. He, uh, um, when he got laid off from his job here in the U.S., he started another company about three blocks away from the company that laid him off. And this company did the exact service, but probably better, or actually way better. Uh, and tons of global clients actually went to him. What's funny is that he didn't really know English much, right? But almost his entire staff were, you know, uh, from the USA. They didn't speak Spanish. So he was leading a huge group of people without barely knowing the language. And, and really, you know, that's, that's something to, you know, highlight his optimism and his resilience and just making the impossible uh, possible. Um, but yeah, the dynamic with my family has been awesome. They've always supported me uh, with everything uh, in school, in my career. Uh, but one example, you know, my dad had his business that, that he started and he brought me in early on to the business to actually learn uh, and start working from a very young age. I'm sure that, uh, you know, you have a similar story. Uh, but there, that's where I started coding. Uh, that's where I built a software for my dad's company without even knowing coding too much. I taught myself and I deployed something. Um, so he's always given me the environment to really flourish um, and to explore uh, my passions. Um, so it's great. You know, now, for example, the, the podcast that you mentioned, the, the startup news podcast that I have, it actually comes out in Spanish too. Uh, and he supports me with that. He actually, oh. he actually does the Spanish version of every single podcast every day. Um, so, and, and you know, me getting here to Silicon Valley to doing what I do, it wouldn't be possible with, without my parents. They truly believe it in me. Yeah. Um, especially I dropped out of school twice. Uh, which to most parents, right, would be like, oh, what is he doing? Um, but really, any of my decisions has always been supported. Uh, and they've encouraged or, or helped me succeed in whatever decision that is. Uh, so when I dropped out of school for the second time, yeah. um, it was because I had this opportunity over here. And it was very, you know, it was strange for me to just leave my engineering uh, studies behind or all the things that I had and, and just yeah. make this weird leap or, or jump. Um, and they truly supported that. And I think that's been the number one factor to me being happy with what I do is that I have a group of people that support me. Um, back to the mental health issue, like, I think it's even a matter yeah. of uh, having people around you that truly support you and listen to you. Um, there was this person, I, I won't mention names or anything, but quite recently, you know, he lives in another country and he reached out to a bunch of people saying, hey, I think this might be it for me. Right. Uh, it was, you know, he was about to do things that were unthinkable. Uh, and all it took was one message saying, hey, get your butt over here, be around people uh, that truly support you or that you know we we're here right we're here to talk we're here to help you yeah. so i think it's and, and that person's doing great things now right they're building a company um awesome. but i think it's yeah. just a matter of first of all speaking out and secondly people you know being open and saying i want to help you and i think there's enough people out there that that are willing to help i truly think that yeah, I think, yeah, the, the communication is so 
crucial. Um, you know, Jen asked there, what are the best ways to, to deal with mental health? And I think it's, it's very something that's very hard to deal with by yourself. Um, because when you close yourself off to the world, you just feel more and more alone. Uh, and, you know, it's definitely not some, something that a lot of people want to talk about because it definitely feels like a weakness. Um, but it's really not. And I, I think the world is shifting more to the, the view that it's not a weakness, that it's something that, you know, can occur and that it's not a, a shameful thing that can occur. Um, and so that communication is, is mm -hmm. definitely very essential. Um, one thing that is you have to like from my point of view, for the people that have reached out, you know, talking about like mental health issues and so forth from their side of view, you have you're constantly balancing that line between like wanting to help them and also not wanting to enable them. Um, and it sounds kind of weird, but at the same, in the same cases, like you don't wanna just be helping them in certain situations that is really just sending them further and further down a darker path. Uh, and it's, it's really tough to gauge, you know, where that line is. And I was curious to hear, you know, your thoughts on, you talk about optimism and I, and I said earlier in the show, um, entrepreneurship, you really have to be almost a rational really it's optimistic you have to be really optimistic in, in whatever you're pursuing where do you think that optimism ships and crosses the line from just being optimistic to being irrational to the point of like can you be irrational so much that you send yourself into that mental those mental health issues yeah um and I know it's kind of a, it's, a question yeah it's a it's a big question <laughs> um obviously I'm, I'm not an expert in the subject but i think that uh, right. especially with entrepreneurs when they sell a set huge huge goals and you know i think it's a matter of also knowing how to set your own goals what is actually possible uh an yeah. optimist and yeah. yes you can be an optimist and take leaps of faith uh that are you know backed by your ability to execute um but you know it's also setting goals one after the other that are actually achievable um you know i yeah. i don't know if you've heard the the thing of like hey you should make your bed every morning uh, but it's because it's the, the yeah, simplest yeah. thing that you can do when you wake up uh, and it actually makes you feel like you accomplished yeah. something and it sets you up for the rest of the day. So I think yeah. in entrepreneurship, uh, especially, you know, by setting goals that are achievable, they're still big. They lead you toward that yeah. final vision that you're trying to to arrive yeah. at. Um, so I think that's one. And then another thing is, you know, about the group of people around you. Um, it's really surrounding yourself with people that truly care uh, and that truly love you. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, there's an abundance of it in the world, but it's just not channeled correctly. Uh, and, you know, that's why people need to speak out more. But uh, recently one of our good friends uh, or very close acquaintance that we knew from a few years ago, uh, he actually took his life. And I remember having a conversation with him um, a long time ago, maybe two years, three years ago, uh, where nobody had ever told him, I love you, right? So when we had done it, uh, and, you know, some people around in the group said, hey, I love you. Um, you know, he was like, no one's ever said that to me. Um, so it's really you know, it's about the people around you too, right? There's so much that you as an entrepreneur or as a person or that you could do for yourself. Um, I think people, you know, whoever's listening, I encourage you to reach out to anyone that, 
that needs it uh, and just be there for them and, and have open ears. You don't have to give suggestions. You don't have to be an expert, uh, but it's really just listening. Sometimes that's all it takes and, and really saying, hey, I, I love you. <laughs> uh, I, I'm here for you. Uh, yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes. And it's a few words that mean the world to people. And Amir asked a great question. She asked, you know, do you think some of the responsibility lies with the leader and keeping a pulse on their people? And I think you, you kind of answered your own question, Amir, like that is essential is being able to set up the foundation of your company and the culture of your company so that it is designed to give people an outlet should they need that help. Um, you know, the fact is that with a lot of companies, you know, take Amazon, for instance, has hundreds of thousands of people that, is, that work for them or work for them in some capacity. Uh, and it, I don't expect Jeff Bezos to, to sit and, and talk to every single one of them where you would never get anything else done. But having a, a culture that has, its, um, you know, has the people that can handle those types of situations is, is essential mm -hmm. to creating a thriving company and also being able to help more people. Um, and I, or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, one? I mean, what we agree? mentioned earlier, absolutely. What we mentioned earlier, uh, Amir, for example, like when you start a company, no one teaches you how to lead a group of people. Like, you know, when you're starting, you're all worried about product and product market fit and, and getting to, you know, sell, uh, selling your uh, product sales. Um, but then, you know, you have people that are joining your mission and a lot of entrepreneurs are great at that you know, join my mission. This is what we're going to build. But then when things start rolling, it's, you know, it's a whole different beast, uh, you know, going from two people to a hundred people to 200 people. How do you lead and how do you truly, uh, you know, like you mentioned the culture, how do you create a culture that's open, that uh, people are able to, you know, that your job doesn't feel like, Hey, uh, you know, I have something going on at home. I can't make it to work. And that you're, peers are there for you and say, absolutely, you know, stay at home. We've got this covered for the next few days. Um, and some companies don't have that kind of culture, right? Um, so I think it's essential. Yeah. Um, and, and nobody teaches this stuff. And I think there needs to be a bigger emphasis on it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, Draper University definitely has a amazing culture that surrounds it because it's super high energy. And I know, like, literally just walking into that environment you know you get withdrawals from from being away from it because there's everyone around you is all pursuing towards the, the exact same goal of just achieving outstanding success and extraordinary success and it definitely pushes you you know to probably your limits in some cases but also being able to break past what you thought was a, a limitation before and what you thought was a barrier to be before um and i know that you know draper <laughs> definitely was a, an important part about my life. Um, and I know it's certainly, obviously it's a huge part about your life, Juan. Uh, what do you, you know, so tell us actually first a little bit about what Draper is and what do you think Draper University is? And then, you know, where do you think it's going from there? Yeah, so Draper University is this incredible place. Uh, to define it, it's um, what we call a pre-accelerator. So for in the startup world, if You've heard of things like Y Combinator, 500 Startups, which are your traditional accelerators. You have to have like a product and market, a product market fit sometimes, and you have to have some traction and they, they invest in you. But from the moment where, let's say you leave your job to the moment you actually are ready for uh, such a, a program, there's really not that much in between. 
And that's really where Draper University uh, sits. Um, so we call it a pre-accelerator, but most importantly, we call it a people accelerator, right? So not everybody that comes out of here goes yeah. and starts a business, but we, we like to you know, transform an individual, uh, make them better leaders, make them better team players, uh, make them uh, more equipped with uh, emotional intelligence, right? Emotional intelligence tools. Um, so really, we, we change their mindset. We, you know, help them achieve bigger things or, or, or go toward bigger goals. Um, and, and, you know, if they're going to go the entrepreneurship route and they're going to build something, they might as well build something that's uh, world changing and world transforming, right? Um, so we really change people. Yeah. Uh, we make them better leaders, and we know that by doing that, that goes ahead and, and has a, a, a butterfly effect with their startups, with the interactions they have, their employees, et cetera, in the future. Um, so we're, you know, we're an educational institution. We also invest in, in some of the startups that we train, uh, and our entire ecosystem is not just Draper University. We have a huge um, venture network. It's probably one of the biggest in the world. It's called the Draper Venture Network. There's 22 funds all over the world. We have another accelerator called Boost VC, a co-working space. So it's a really robust ecosystem. But in terms of Draper University, uh, we work with people. We inspire them and accelerate their ideas. Um, and uh, it goes on to uh, you know, their future. They create better things in the future. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and, and who actually started Draper University? Where, where did it get yeah, his name from? Yeah, so um, it gets his name from Tim Draper. Tim Draper is our founder. He started it six years ago. Um, Tim Draper is probably one of the most known names in venture capital. Um, uh, he's invested in companies like Tesla, Skype, uh, Baidu, SpaceX, uh, Twitch, uh, pretty much everything you've ever heard of. Uh, that's cutting edge. Uh, he's been a, an investor in them. Uh, so he invests in, in startups. He takes big risks. Uh, and after a huge career in that, and he's still in venture capital, he, he leads Draper Associates. Um, you know, he decided to create Draper University, uh, a place to create what we call superheroes or more heroes for the world that are out there solving big problems, uh, that are leading people, that are actually changing things. Um, so that's what, you know, what he created. Uh, and it's a really awesome, beautiful space. I'm actually in our office now, uh, but it looks like a scene out of Harry Potter when you come into our building. Um, and the whole building, it used to be a hotel. So founders from all over the world, they come here for five weeks at a time for our hero training program. Uh, and they live here with us yep. uh, for five weeks. And you could imagine so many cultures, uh, founders from all over the world, so many collisions uh, in terms of ideas, in terms of culture. Uh, so yeah. a lot of great things yeah. uh, come out of it. Interesting. So talking a little bit, you know, about technology quickly, Amir asked a great, a great question saying, do you think that entrepreneurs and I'm guessing, you know, leaders in, in companies should invest more in analytical tests that essentially break down or give insights into the work ethic and personality of their employees? And then do you think that these tests hold merit? Uh, I kind of already have my answer in my head. Uh, if you want to think about it for a second, one, what, what I was thinking is that I think that we're heading to that direction of being able to maybe put data behind 
um, empathy and social skills and emotional intelligence and so forth, being able to actually assign numbers to that and quantify it. But I think we're still a little bit, I mean, you know, there's, there's tests out there uh, and I can't think of the names right now. There's, there are tests out there that have uh, the Myers, uh, Myers-Briggs test, yeah, that, uh, that have a little bit of that kind of personality and so forth. And I know that there are some companies that do have uh, you know, employees take that test so that they can get a better insight into how their employees think and their personalities. But I think that those tests are always going to be a little bit off just because, it, you know, I've had times where you take it, it's kind of like a horoscope where they're a little bit general in a way where it's like, yeah, that could work for me, but it also... Don't know about this part of it. Um, and so I think that, you know, we're getting to the point of being able to quantify that and put data behind it a little bit better. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't really substitute actual human interaction and, and being able to have people around you that can really know you and not just a computer that's taking and asking some questions and, and then generalizing a, a response based on that. Because um, there's a lot of, I guess, insights and subtleties that go into understanding a person and their chemical and, and mental makeup uh, than a computer can really quantify? Yeah, uh, it's What's a great question, Amir. I personally think that, yes, companies should uh, place a bigger emphasis on, I wouldn't call it testing, right? Because it, it, it feel, when you call it testing, it feels like, oh, if you don't pass it, you're out of the company. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I would just, you know, these are tools uh, that should be used by companies and based on those results, you know, someone should come in and, and really uh, push you in the different areas that you're very good at, uh, try to educate you in the areas that you're lacking. Uh, but I don't think it should be seen as like, if you don't, you know, this, you don't work in this company of this, if you don't do well in this, I think it should be used as a tool that, okay, you work with us and, and people around you like you, how do we make this interaction or these interactions even better? I think uh, the job of a, a great manager is when there's trouble uh, within the team, uh, conflicts, uh, you know, a great manager will try to move people to working with each other better. And I think these sort of tools, uh, you know, there's like, you mentioned the Myers-Briggs, there's been some controversy around the validity of it. I, I haven't really read too much on it, uh, but yeah. uh, there's other tests like Belbin, uh, which is how other people perceive you um, when you're doing work and what's your perception of yourself uh, and does that correlate, right? And where are you lacking? Uh, there's another awesome company that I'm working with currently called Six Seconds. Uh, they do a lot of emotional uh, quotient, uh, you know, uh, interrogations uh, and they help you really see, okay, how do I deal with emotions? How can I get better at when something negative happens around me how do I navigate that? And yes, absolutely. I think companies should uh, place a bigger emphasis on these things. Yeah, definitely. So going back a little bit to, to Draper here for a second and being in, in Silicon Valley in, in San Francisco and specifically around Draper and the type of talent that Draper being Tim Draper kind of attracts, what, uh, what's the most like just completely out there concepts that you've seen uh, come through the doors? Yeah, so this is probably a better question, obviously, for Tim. Uh, you know, he sees amazing companies every single day, you know, from people doing gene editing all the way to people, uh, you know, uh, sending people to space or wanting to build rockets. Um, 
you know, he's seen yep. it all at Draper University ourselves. You know, a lot of people come with huge ideas, right? Um, and I think I, ideas are often out there, right? Uh, but it, it really comes down to the execution, like you've always heard, of the entrepreneur uh, and of the team that builds it. Uh, so I'm particularly more excited when somebody actually makes progress with these bold ideas. Um, a few of them uh, that I'm really interested in lately. So I think blockchain technology uh, is going to change a lot of industries. It already is. Uh, so a lot of our founders are. So, so real quick, because I know like 90% of the people are not going to know what blockchain is. So describe blockchain in a, yeah. in a really quick yeah. and generalized sure. manner. So, you know, right now, uh, when you're logging into your bank account or when you go on to Facebook, all that data is in one central location uh, in, let's say, one server or one computer sitting somewhere. Uh, and that's, you know, sometimes hackable. Uh, sometimes, you know, people or governments or whoever um, can actually tamper with this data. So blockchain technology is essentially a new way to keep uh, data secure. Uh, it's uh, an immutable ledger. So uh, it's a ledger that lives in many different nodes or many different computers. And in order for that data to be proven valid, every single computer around the world needs to uh, approve it. Right. So this is going to change things like finance, where maybe you won't need banks anymore. Right. Um, uh, it might change things like government, uh, where maybe they don't tamper with uh, votes, uh, because once you click, hey, this is my vote, it's registered. You know, Chris voted for this person and it was proven that it was Chris that, uh, you know, that voted for this person and no one else can tamper with that. So imagine a lot of corrupt governments, um, you know, the, the positive things that could happen yeah. uh, because of this. Uh, so yes, it's, it's essentially in basic terms, I would say, if you know what Excel is, uh, instead of Excel running on your laptop, Excel now runs multiple sheets uh, in hundreds or thousands of computers around the world. And when one uh, little cell in Excel get uh, changed, uh, it needs to go through every single other computer and get changed also. So they need to prove yeah. that, hey, this change is correct. Uh, and it does that incredibly fast, almost instantly. Yeah, uh, I mean, networks get bogged down uh, because of just the different uh, types of data that they have to handle. Uh, but yes, it, it, you know, right. people are working on making it uh, faster, on making it uh, you know, scalable. And that's one of the, the big issues within the industry right now is how to make these things scalable. So with that said, I mean, you've probably heard of Bitcoin. The technology behind Bitcoin is blockchain technology, uh, basically. So um, uh, I, I forget what the question was. Oh, yeah, the crazy ideas. You were talking the, about the big ideas. Yeah. So a lot of our founders yeah. come through here with ideas uh, in the blockchain space. We've seen people, you know, wanting to yep. create... Uh, countries that are ran uh, solely on blockchain technology, right? And there's a few projects out there that are actually uh, making progress. I, uh, I can't really speak too much about them, but uh, for example, we have an right. awesome alum um, who's working a lot with, you know, what's the future of government um, and, and how is this technology going to impact it? Uh, and then crazy ideas. I think this one might relate to your show since I know a lot of uh, 
you know, you know, a lot of your audience is around pets. Uh, we have this entrepreneur that we're helping a lot right now. Um, they started a protein company, so they make protein out of bugs. So they, you know, crush up the bugs and, and they take protein from there. And uh, the goal is maybe to make pet food that is, um, you know, made out of uh, pro uh, protein from insects, um, uh, which, you know, packs more protein per gram, uh, is healthier, doesn't rely yeah. on, uh, you, you know, like cows in the world, the, the methane they produce, uh, it's actually yeah. a huge, um, you know, problem uh, in terms of global warming and, and water usage, etc. So other alternative uh, sources of protein are needed. Uh, so in the pet world, we have someone tackling that. Uh, so making a new type of uh, protein for pets. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things. Yep. That's awesome. And I, and I know I remember when I was there, um, Andy, uh, Andy Tang, who's the, was he president? He's, a, he's the CEO. CEO. Yeah. Yeah. He's the yeah, CEO yeah. and he's also an investor in a few other funds. Yeah. So, so I remember he was telling me about a company and uh, essentially they're trying to create a way for humans to be able to talk directly to animals, specifically dogs. So I think it's like some type of literally a, a neuro thing that the dog puts on its head and the person puts it on its head too. And they're trying That's to awesome. create some type of connection there, which would be would definitely be absolutely insane. I know that was a, that was about a year and a half ago. So maybe they're, they're yeah, the I'll to, have to, to ask him about that. that Cause that would, I'm that would definitely going to ask him about that. <laughs> yeah. I know he's got a few investments in Definitely. some uh, yeah, yeah. in some pet products, uh, which is we have a, a, another founder that came through here. She's doing really well. She makes um, for cats. Uh, it's uh, it's called a what is it? It's litter for cats, uh, and it changes color based oh, on okay. uh, the pee that the cats. Uh, and hopefully, I think it, it's for yeah. dogs too, so it can detect different diseases and and you know warn you so that you could take them to the oh, doctor really? or the vet. Uh, before anything major happens. Yeah. So yeah, we've got a few people working on some pet stuff. Interesting. So obviously a big part of Draper University is the, the startups that come through there. And then obviously, um, you know, you guys are now going towards Draper U Ventures, which is kind of your own fund. Um, and you can you know, talk a little bit more about it. But also, I'd like to hear, you know, your view on startup investing startup investing and the kind of thought process you guys have around it, especially under the, the Draper brand, which like you said, is a very notable brand and, and something to, does it, does that make you nervous kind of going into it? Yeah. So the fund that we have, Tim set it up um, about a year ago. Yeah. A year ago. So we've been making some investments, uh, but you know, the, the team here, myself, Azra, Katie, we, uh, and Andy is very uh, involved with the investment. So, you know, it's dedicated to our founders. Um, and I would say that the big thesis of it, um, when we were pitching it to Tim and, and everything happened is, hey, you know, we are the only people out there right now in the startup world that actually gets to work with founders before potentially investing in them. May have lost it here. Hopefully coming back in a second. Still with us, Juan?
comment, maybe uh, showing if you're still there. I think we might have lost Juan uh, for a second there. So hopefully, uh, now hopefully he's able to come back here in a moment. But if not, uh, then we might just wrap it up here. I know we're about you know 35, 40 minutes in, so this actually might be a, a great spot for it to uh, to end. Uh, Juan, if, if he comes back here, he can also leave his comments in, in terms of what he was going to say. Um, I believe what he was going to, just because I've read some of the other posts, is that the great thing about Draper University is that obviously the uh, entrepreneurs and the startups that come through there, they live with them for about five weeks. They, the place is a hotel, essentially, so all of those entrepreneurs come there and they live there and they get to spend time and there's Juan coming back here so let's see if I can add him back into the call um, or into the to the live feed so they get to actually live with uh, essentially the people that might be investing in them so they get to see all those different aspects of that person's personality of that um, you know person's ability to run a, a, a startup hey. and and now we have Juan back sorry right a now. call came in yeah no problem I was just asking and and it just no worries so, at all. I was uh, I was explaining a little bit. No, no problem, no problem. Um, I was explaining a little bit. I think where you're heading to about uh, you know the entrepreneurs being able to live, essentially with you guys, and and you guys get to see their their whole dynamic and personality of uh, people coming through before you get a chance to invest. Oh in yeah, them. so we are you know one of the only I, I don't know of any other actually that uh, we work with founders so so early, sometimes in idea stage. Um, that really we focus, like I mentioned before, on the people uh, and who they are as leaders and how we can make them better. And then we focus on the startups and their vision and making them think bigger. Um, so, yeah, we get to see them before that. And that's a big part of our thesis is that, you know, in your traditional, when you go pitch to investors, you maybe meet with them once to four times, right, before they make a decision, sometimes more. Um, but really they've known you for yeah. a very short amount of time, right? Like when you aggregate it, it's probably for a few hours. Um, and then they rely a lot, obviously on their analysis of the market, of what you've done before of industry experts. Um, but here we have an advantage, which is we get to live with the people, uh, that we might invest in. Right. And by live, I mean, we get to be fully immersed in the program with them. Uh, and see how they interact with different things like survival week, uh, you know, how they treat others. And, and we're really able to gain a lot of qualitative insight uh, about an entrepreneur. And I think that's pretty special. And almost every single one that has come through here, we have a really great admissions process. You know, so out of thousands, we select, you know, a class of 50 to 80 founders. Uh, so they're already great to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and this allows us to even, you yeah. know, get to know them more and also give more to them. I think when you are a big part of someone's life, so, you know, at such an early level, um, you're always going to be engraved in, in their mind and their hearts. You're the first uh, people that believed in something or that were part of that growth. Uh, so they're always going to come back to you when they have good news, when they have bad news. Uh, but you're always going to be part of their journey. And I think that's really special. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. No, uh, I completely agree. And I think that that's, that's probably even the, the bigger, I guess, opportunity, um, you know, from a business model point of view is, is as an entrepreneur, especially if you're younger and, and it, get, it feels like it keeps getting younger and younger, you get, you know, kids that are 10 years old, 14 years old that are literally making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year selling stuff on Shopify. Uh, so, you know, where I was heading with that is that 
the ability for that person, they're probably going to have, you know, five, six, seven, eight startups in their lifetime. Uh, and you guys have pretty much every opportunity to be able to come in on, on those startups and, and see, you know, what their, their viability is. Plus you have all this knowledge of who they were as a person before you even take that chance to invest. Um, so Juan, I know obviously you went through Draper University as well. What was, uh, I guess, one of the maybe craziest moments that you had uh, at Draper? I know there's one that's in my head. So I'd yeah, love to hear your story um, first. so I mean, when I came through here, it was a fantastic time. Uh, it was a few years ago and the people were awesome. Um, I would say actually one of the, yeah. the, the, not funny. It, it's almost just embarrassing. Uh, this was actually in one of the sessions after. Um, so we bring in speakers. And, and the reason I picked this one is because it kind of relates to your show in a way. Um, but um, we, we bring in speakers, really famous people to speak. So we've had Elon Musk in the past. We've had, you know, like the founders of Reddit, Uber, etc. Any company, you name it. Yep. Anyway, we brought this really famous investor uh, to speak to the batch. And we had an entrepreneur um, that that's making a marketplace for cakes, right? So if you need a cake, kind of like if you were to order flowers, uh, yeah, a local yeah, florist delivers to you. Well, it was that, but for cakes. Uh, and then we had this entrepreneur introduce him, uh, this big investor, and he makes him a cake, right? To impress him like, hey, this is my company. We make these cakes. Uh, or this is a cake that's made through our network. Uh, and then he put the, he did some research and he put a picture of his dog on it, of the, the investor's dog, right? Because he saw on social media that, you yeah. know, he really loved his dog and, and, you know, that was like his best friend. Yeah. Uh, so he wanted to impress him with like, this, these are the cakes. This is your dog. It's awesome. Maybe give me a meeting. And then the investor opens yeah. up the box yeah. uh, when, before he goes up to speak you know, thanks so much for the gift. And he opens it and he's like, oh my God. And he names the, the, the dog. Um, I don't remember the name. Uh, and he says, oh my God, this is, this was uh, Billy or, or whatever the name of the dog is. And he's like, yeah, he's, he died a few months ago. Um, yeah. And then uh, you should have seen the face of the <laughs> entrepreneur. Like, oh my God, I did all this research yeah. <laughs> to try to impress this investor. But it turns out that you know, you know, it's a dog that unfortunately passed away. Uh, so it was a very awkward time. It was a crazy thing. Um, you know, but our entrepreneurs are always doing crazy things. You know, we've had, like, if you look up yeah. pictures of, of, you know, even on my social media, like we're in the pool with our clothes on and, and doing yeah. crazy things. Uh, yeah. so that's kind of like a little bit of the spirit of, of, uh, of what happens here. Yeah, definitely. I remember one of my, I don't know if it was a good moment, but it was definitely a memorable moment uh, was when we're at a, a thing called Survival Week. And essentially, I don't want to give too much away because I know how coveted Survival Week and so forth is, especially for the, yeah. <laughs> the members coming into the program. Uh, but I, but we had to essentially as a team row a boat from one end of a lake to another. And we had about 20 people onto this boat. And I was the the leader in that in that day in that situation, basically having to direct 20 people um, to go four or five miles in this boat. And if you don't know anything about rowing boats, it's so much easier if it's just yourself <laughs> or if there's like maybe 
two or three people or four people with you because then at least you can kind of get everyone into the same motion because a boat that's a, or a rowboat basically only thrives on the fact of everyone's working the exact same motion the exact same timing and when you have 20 people uh that can be very very difficult and not to mention 20 entrepreneurs who again the mindset of an entrepreneur is like i'm gonna do my own thing i'm gonna do my own thing in this yeah. world and i'm gonna do my own thing when we're rowing this boat so everyone had a different idea in terms of how this boat should be rowed how what the timing was some people would stop some people would keep going and it was yeah. just a disaster and it was already a time where it was like towards the end of the whole week we'd been hiking and walking miles on miles on miles we had you know, lack of sleep, lack of food, lack of water. And so it would definitely tested my patience at that point in time. But uh, it was definitely a good experience looking back because we did, we didn't get the boat to the end of the trip, we had to get pulled and t taxi through. Um, but we did uh, at least get a, a part of the way through. So I was uh, glad to be done with that situation for sure. So I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. If uh, unless you had anything else that you wanted to mention. Uh, thank you, everyone who had watched. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to leave it in the section below. We'll answer them and try to come back and answer them over the course of the week. Uh, our next show will be next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, uh, and you can interact with us live. I think we're going to be discussing bloating, uh, bloating in dogs, which is, you know, as summer comes up, a really big issue. So definitely stay tuned and watch for that. Uh, and lastly, we have our question of the day. So Juan, I'm going to turn this over to you. Do you have any question that you'd like to ask some of the viewers that come over sure um i i would say this is like a i don't know if these are the type of questions that you want but um you know it's a question regardless uh for everyone out there Your yeah question. so my question is if yeah. the entire world were to tune in for you know a few seconds or a minute uh the entire world i'm talking every single person the seven billion people in this world at one exact time, you have 30 seconds to a minute to say something. What would you say, right? What would you use these 30 seconds to a minute um, to say? And that's my question. And I'll think about that myself because I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's important, right? So. Definitely, definitely. No, I, I love that question. I'll, uh, I'll think about it over the course of the week and I'll answer it uh, next week on our, on our next show. So. Thank you guys again very much. Throw that, throw your answers into the comments. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, Juan, for tuning in and apologize again for uh, any of the technical issues that we started off with. I'm really happy with how it turned out. So uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time.